0: just be honest, I, I am a goober. Um, I really am. If it can break or just get messed up, it happens. I was teaching a couple months ago, and my phone went off, the alarm went off on my phone. It's sitting there, and I'm like, going, how in the world does that happen? I'm not even, yeah. So if it can happen, it happens. So I just kind of learned to roll with it, and um, that's it. Kind of is a picture of life, isn't it? Um, Life doesn't go the way we expect it to go, does it? There's uh, roadblocks, and there's hiccups, and there's curves, and there's bends, and there's potholes. And there's all those things that happen in our life that the plan that we had doesn't quite go the way we expected it to go. We have a choice when that happens. We either roll with it (laughs) or we put on our brakes and we go no further. We crumble, we, it, we implode, it just, the wheels come off the vehicle, we have a choice. And this morning we're going to look at um, 2 Kings chapter 4 verses 1 through 7, you may want to open up. This is a picture of a woman who I don't believe her life went the way she thought it was going to go. This is the story about Elisha and the widow and the oil. This verse one of this chapter, we'll just dig right in. I'm going to just start. It says, now a certain woman of the wives of the son of the prophets cried out to Elisha, your servant, my husband, is dead. And you know that your servant feared the Lord and the creditors have come to take his t- our two children to be his slaves listen this woman is at a point in her life and we have all been in a point in our life where what we thought was going to happen is not happening this woman in this in this snapshot chap verse one she already tells you that she's a widow that means her husband is gone you know that that means that she has no form of income, no actual source of income coming into her home except for her two children who will, who will work. And what does it say here? The creditors are coming tomorrow to what? Take her children and place them into, into slavery. And then we know that her life as she knew it because she's a widow is no longer what it was. You see, her husband... Her husband, it says in this, in this verse of scripture that he was a son of the prophets. Now, historically, what that means is that her husband either was a teacher in the school of the prophets, would have been a very prestigious position in biblical times, or her husband was an assistant or a servant to one of the prophets, much like Gehazi was to Elijah. Either way, this woman and her husband's life had been dedicated to, to ministry, their whole world, the community they actually lived in. When it says about they, they lived at the, with the wives of the sons of the prophets. It was a community that they lived together. So everything has been destroyed. Everything has been disrupted in this woman's life, and her only hope of putting food on the table, which was her kids working tomorrow, bye bye. This is the place that we find this woman in, this widow. This is the spot that we drop into this story with Elisha and the widow. Elisha, by the way, just in case, I'm sure I'm teaching probably to the choir here on this one, but Elisha was the successor of Elijah. He's the man that asked for a double portion of God's anointing into his life. And by the way, he did have twice the miracles that Elijah did. So when you ask, don't be afraid to ask boldly, because he did, and God came through for him. So we have these two characters, and we have this woman. Verse 1 tells us that this woman cries out. She cries out. She, she's crying out from an interesting place, because historically... You know, I I started to wonder, what's the deal with her husband? You know, who was he? What was he? Josephus, the historian, says that this man, her husband, was Obadiah. And if you don't know anything about that, Obadiah was the governor of the house of Ahab. Which we kind of go, on that one. But folks, that was a very prestigious place. He was the governor of a king's house. He had a place in society. And as a result, he also had the opportunity to move on God's behalf. Because what was happening at the time with Ahab and Jezebel? The prophets were being slain, weren't they? They were being annihilated because they wouldn't follow after the pagan gods. And we know from the scripture that a hundred prophets were sequestered into caves, weren't they? Josephus believes that this Man and his wife and this family Was in the situation they were in In poverty because they took Their own financial means And provided for those hundred prophets Kept them food, fed and clothed That's what Josephus believes John Wesley believes that that they are They're in this impoverished poverty State because they would not follow The pagan kings and as a result Their goods were were, were taken Much like what happened with the Jews in, his, uh, Jews in Germany when the, the things Were taken from them so there were things that were taken from this people. Either way, the reason why they were in the state of uh, poverty and the place that she was in the place of despair had nothing to do with them in disobedience. Yeah. It had everything to do with them living a life of obedience and following God. Yeah. I want you to grab hold of that. I want you to grab hold of that. Because it's from this place where this woman's going, we dotted our I's, we crossed our T's, we did everything that we were asked to do, we followed you, my husband was a God-fearing man who was in covenant with God, and we are in this spot, and now she's crying out. This word crying out is means to shriek, literally. It's this high-pitched Just offensive sound to your ears. You've heard those those birds that you know, like buzzards, and they they just screech at you. I want you to think of that. But then I also want you to think not only that that terrible sound, but I want you to envision a volume like you've never heard before coming out of this woman. I started to think. What I looked up at. What animals make the most noise? Do you know that the roar of a lion can be heard five miles away? So I want you in this moment to imagine Elisha hearing this woman screech with this offensive sound that can be heard five miles away. That, my friends, is a call of desperation. That, my friends, is a cry of desperation. That's what we've been talking about with city transformation. That's the kind of cry, that's the kind of call that has to come from the deepest places of our being. Whether it's been a good day or it's been a bad day, whether they're hauling my kids off and I have bills hanging over my head, it doesn't matter. We have to be able to intercede and cry out for our city, for our children, for those who are lost with that same kind of intensity, that same offensive sound and shriek to the ears of the enemy that is heard five miles away and I promise you when you do that God comes near and we see that we see that in the next verse we see what happens Elisha shows up he comes right by verse two says he comes right to her and he says what shall I do for you he doesn't mince any words he doesn't dance around he comes right to the problem you're shrieking I hear you what is your need what has to happen here he says to her, tell me, what do you have in your house? And she says, your maidservant has nothing in the house except for a jar of oil. I love that instantly he acknowledges the need. And he, at that moment, where this woman is at, he takes her and launches her into a miracle. He asks her, where, where, what do you have? She says, I have nothing in my house, but a jar of oil. So he takes her right to the world that she lives in. He takes you guys right to Evansville. He doesn't ask you to go someplace else to intercede. He doesn't ask you to go anywhere else to, to cry out and shriek at the top of your voices. He keeps you right here because this is where he called you. Right here to shriek out on behalf of this city. And so Elisha meets her right there in her house. And all she has is a jar of oil. He uses what she has where she's at. Now, I don't know about you. We're downsizing because we're moving in with our kids, which is kind of the opposite of what usually happens. Usually kids move in with you. But we're moving in with our kids. We got good kids. And I've had to downsize. I've had three huge yard sales. And I've given a whole lot of stuff away. And I tell you, I'm still going to have some stuff to box up. And I think about this woman. I think about her and I think, what has she gotten rid of that all she has left in her house is this? I walk around my house and I go wow what would I have to get rid of to only have this as my possession my two kids and they're gone tomorrow this is all I have well friends she has to get rid she had to have gotten rid of everything that represents her present life the clothes that they wear the food that they eat, the the pots and pans that she cooks from, the furniture that they sit on, the blankets they cover them. You go through the list. Her present life has already been sold out that door. And then truly, her children, if they're old enough to be conscripted into slavery to pay for the debt that their dad incurred, they probably have begun to ply a trade. They probably have some tools that they were anticipating providing for their families in the future. Their clothes are gone. Those tools are gone. The future has already been sold. The present and the future. Then I think about this woman. If her husband truly was Obadiah, the, the governor of Ahab's house, there was probably a time in their life where they were fairly well to do and had some nice things. And everything about her husband, everything that has to do with the memories of that life with her husband has been sold. This woman has literally sold, gotten rid of, left go of her present, her past, and anything that she has in hopes for the future. And she is simply left with this, a jar of oil. So I looked up the word jar or pot. It's basically a jar or pot. Nothing significant about that. Just a flask that holds something. But the oil, that word oil, is a word that means olive oil that's usually perfumed. It's an anointing oil. It's an ointment of some type. It's used for ceremonies. So she wasn't going to cook with this. She wasn't going to sustain her physical life with this oil. This was medicinal, ceremonial burial oil could it be that she realized i don't have a scrap of food in my house there's no way for me to honorably make an income my life is going to be right out the door along with my past my present and now my future and she was hanging on to this oil perhaps the last shred of what seemed to be humanity and dignity for her burial you know, the enemy always wants to get us to a place where we think there are no options. He always wants to come in and kill, still and destroy. He wants us to only see the negative, the no hope. That's where he wants us to plant our life. And I think as she was clinging on to this jar of oil, she thought this is my last shred of humanity that I was hanging on to because she thought death was on its way. How many times have you cried out? How many times have you begun to intercede? How many times have you prayed and you just see no change and a spirit of heaviness and death wants to come over you as you're crying out? Has that ever happened to anybody besides me? where you see nothing happening and you just feel like the very life has been zapped out of you because you have prayed every prayer. There are no words left in the human vocabulary to pray the prayers because you have shrieked at the top of your voice. Your roar has been heard for five miles and nothing has happened. And you just want to crawl into a cave like Elijah and die. Have you ever been there? That's where this woman's at that's where this woman's at and now what does it say in that verse Elijah's Elisha's asking her for what he's asking her for what's in her house he's going to take this very last shred of humanity away from her can you imagine the balance in her mind I'd be like going don't have any oil sorry buddy (laughs) I'd be hiding this thing but that's not her heart because if that was her heart, she wouldn't have cried out to Elisha. See, she went to the man of God because she knew there's a difference between despair and desperation. Despair means we have absolutely no hope. No hope. No hope. Desperation means we're in bad straits but we have hope because we know who we're going to call out to. That's why she lifted that roar, and God came near. Elisha came near and began to minister to her. She was in despair, not desperation. So he tells her, I want this jar of oil. Can I tell you, sometimes the thing that we hold on to the most tightly is the key that God needs for the miraculous to happen in our life. He's waiting for us to just trust him with that last thing. As a mom, it's usually my kids. I'm trying to fix everything for them. You know, we do that, don't we? I mean, can we be honest? We want to fix it. We want to, we want to make it better. We want to, you know, it doesn't matter how big they are and how old they are. You still want to kiss the boo-boos and make it better. They can be 30, and we still want to do that. Because that's, that's who we are. That's who we are. So lots of times it's our kids or our finances or our parents. There's this thing that we want to hold on to and try to fix and make it better. But God can't act. He can't be enacted into something until we let go of it. So this woman literally had to let go of this last thing that she was holding on to, the thing she was holding on to most dearly, and commit this, this jar of oil, to the miracle that God wanted to do in her life. So Elijah says, Elijah says to her in verse 3, he says, okay, I got your, your oil. I know that it's there. He says, I want you to go borrow vessels at large for yourself from all of your neighbors, even empty vessels, and then he adds, don't get a few. So he sends her out on basically a scavenger hunt to go through her neighborhood to ask for, for vessels, for containers. So I, I'm kind of a really hands-on person when it comes to this stuff, so I did it. I went to my neighbor's doors, knock, 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 can I have a vessel, can I have a container? Can you imagine the looks I got? They're looking at me like, what happened to your house? I mean, don't you, what, why do you, the questions. why do you need a pot? What, what's going on? And so I would try to explain that I, was this this. Um, story in the Bible and I was doing that. I wanted to see what it felt like. So I'm sure she had some of the same kind of questions. Her neighbors were like, what, what, what's, what's going on? And what was she going to say? Well, I think she probably told them That Elisha told her to do this I think every time she retold that story It it began to lift up her faith Listen, when God has done something And he has begun to move in your life Your testimony not only encourages other people But every time you retell that testimony It begins to embody that inside of you It begins to lift your spirits It becomes more of your DNA And it begins to transform you In addition to the people that are getting to hear that Listen, when Melissa told the story yesterday About Taylor and her dad Every time she tells that story it deepens that conviction in her heart that intercession is true and the same thing is true I believe this woman told people that she shrieked and she called out and God came near and sent Elisha to her and he told her to do this and so she was boldly going place to place to get these vessels and I think she boldly went boldly went so she began to gather them do you know in biblical time unlike us they didn't have an abundance of things they didn't have a lot of items. So, what do you think she probably got? Well, I think Elisha knew exactly what she was going to get because he qualified this word vessel with the word empty. Now, I just assumed that meant empty. I mean, wouldn't you think it means empty? It doesn't mean empty. It doesn't mean empty, it means worthless. Elisha sent her out to go gather worthless vessels. Worthless vessels, the ones with the chips, the ones with the cracks, the ones that half the side was missing, it could hardly hold anything, the ones that were so dirty, so dirty, could have been used for bathroom purposes. I'm just being honest. These are the things that she probably was handed Because there was an excess. People had to give up the junk to her. And he told her this not to get discouraged. Friends, when we intercede, when we pray... (laughs) Don't be looking for the pretty things to be interceding for and praying for. Be willing to begin to shriek and cry, cry out for those things that are chipped, those things that are dirty, those things that seem like half the pieces and the parts are missing, and there could never, ever be anything used for those. That's the cry of desperation that needs to raise up, be raised up. in, And that's what this city is doing. This is what these churches are doing. You guys are coming together. Like yesterday, we heard about how in the world are we going to get the names of the people who live under? the bridge these are the chipped broken people that need to be interceded for and cried out for this is what is the heart of this group of people today you have the heart of jesus and he's telling you don't become discouraged by the chipped crack vessels that he brings to you because he's going to use them as he uses you don't be discouraged don't don't be dismayed be bold in where you need to go So Elisha gives her some more instructions in verse 4. She's gathered all these vessels. Her floor is littered with litter. Her floor is littered with litter, literally. Verse 4, this is what Elisha tells her to do. You shall go in and shut the door behind you, you and your sons. Pour out into all these vessels, and you shall set aside what is full. I want to just stop right there. Remember, her kids were going to be taken what? Into slavery, right? Elisha, in this moment, included her children in the miracle. Think. It wasn't like the kids were out playing in the street. He told her to gather her children in and become part of the miracle that's about to happen because, see, they were no longer going to be sold into slavery. They were going to be part of this miracle, and their life was going to be transformed. Friends, when you begin to intercede, when you begin to cry out, when you begin to call on behalf of the city, don't Forget to include your children in that process. There's no child that's too young to pray a prayer. Listen, they have the purest faith because they have not been tainted by what the world has done to them, the lies that they've heard, or the discouragement that might be in their life. There is a hope and an expectation in children that we need to recapture in our life. Take your kids along on this process. They need that more than they need soccer. They need that more than they need basketball. They need that more than they need all the other things that you might think that they need. They need that. That is going to transform their today and into tomorrow. Soccer's good. It may take care of the body, but listen, it is not going to mean a hoot when they get to heaven and stand before Jesus. Embed in their spirit that that roar, that cry, that desperation needs to be part of their DNA as a kid. Put it in there when they're little. Burn it in their heart. Don't let them ever lose that. Keep that lamp on fire in those kids' hearts. Take them along. Drag them if you have to. Their hearts will change as you intercede on their behalf. Don't fear that. Don't fear that. Take them along. So the kids go into the room with her. Verse 5. They went in from Elisha. That means Elisha was still there hanging around. I just see him sitting there in the house, in his empty house, waiting for her to come back with all the vessels. I just, okay, that's just what I see. He's just waiting because he's still there. When she comes back, <clears throat> they go in. They shut the door behind her and her son, still part of the miracle. And the kids were bringing in the vessels to her, and she began to pour. And when the vessels were full, she would say to her son, bring another vessel. And this continued. And I just want you to think about each chipped, cracked piece of trash that was now being filled with his endless supply from this little jar. You see, friends, The miracle had nothing to do with what was being poured out. God does not have an expiration date. He doesn't have only so much that he can pour out. It has nothing to do with God's ability to pour out. It has everything to do with what we're going to bring to God and the amount of what our faith is that we're going to live our life and demonstrate it with with God. That's the action that had to happen for the miracle to happen. She just continued to pour into these broken, dirty vessels. I thought about that. I thought there's three things that this woman just really demonstrated. I, I hit earlier on the fact that, that there was this cry of desperation and not despair. So don't lose, don't lose that fact. Despair is no hope. Desperation is there's a God, and I'm just going to shout, scream, and sh- shriek out of desperation until he hears and answers my cry the second thing is this woman demonstrated absolute obedience listen you guys are pressing in for a plan for this city yesterday the gentleman talked about uh interceding and discipleship through the whole city and how overwhelming that seems i mean i mentor a few girls and i'm thinking a whole city i can't even imagine trying to plan that that seems overwhelming God will give you the plan that is the plan for Evansville and not for any other town. It will look like no place else. Don't compare yourself to any place else. In fact, I tell you, I I would just say, don't even go looking for other people's ideas. Seek his face. He will tell you exactly what you need to do as you're crying out. He will lay it out, just like he did for this woman. Go get vessels. He even qualified it. Don't be discouraged. They're going to be messed up vessels it was specific instructions he'll do the same thing for Evansville Indiana because he has a plan and a purpose to redeem this city into his kingdom into his kingdom absolute obedience if he says it even if it doesn't make sense go and get it I mean this woman had to be thinking why am I gathering all these vessels what am I gonna do I'm gonna have nothing to put in I'm gonna have a bunch of vessels made no sense she had to have an act of faith an act of obedience when it didn't make sense Listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit, follow it. How many times did we see in the Bible that God told people to go and do things that made no sense? Naaman, get in the river seven times. Really? Is once not good enough? I mean, it just, it, was, it seemed like it didn't make sense. But he pushes this a little bit to see what our level of obedience is. Absolute obedience. I used to say to my kids, anything less than absolute obedience, no, excuse me, instant obedience is disobedience. Anything less than instant obedience is disobedience because I've allowed my will to be exercised enough to weigh out whether I really want to be obedient or not. In that moment, there's a level of disobedience, absolute obedience we see in this woman. This this body of believers, I declare over absolute obedience. The third thing that we see in this woman is limitless faith. What was being poured out in the midst of the miracle had nothing to do, I said this earlier, with what God had to pour out. It had to simply depend on what she had gathered. If she had only gathered four or five vessels, we would have had a little miracle. But she went all out. She went door to door until there was not one door that didn't give her something, if if she could give it from them. She apprehended from whatever there was to deposit Into this miracle it was her contribution listen she gave her all and she was gonna get her all because that was the sacrifice that she was after so real quick on verse 4 we see that she shut the door Elisha told her to shut the door I think there's something really amazing that happens in the spiritual realm in this picture when she shut that door Boom, she's in there with her jar, her sons, and all these vessels. She shut the door. At this point, she has committed herself to this miracle, and there's no going back. There's no plan B. She has done it all. She's about to start to pour out this last thing that she had held on to. There's no plan B, folks. There's no plan B for this community. If there was a plan B, the plan Bs would have already worked. The government would have taken care of it. The after-school things would have taken care of it. The police would have taken care of it. The drug rehab places would have taken care of You know what I'm saying? If Plan B had worked, the city of Evansville wouldn't be in the shape it's in. There is no Plan B. There is only a Plan A, and that is God's plan for this city. And it's your responsibility to get this city in line his God, with God-given purpose and plan for this city. There is no Plan B. And when she shut that door, Plan B was gone. That's the first thing. The second thing is... She shut out the enemy. She shut out the enemy. It was a physical demonstration of go, go. I am being obedient to what God has asked me to do. I have gathered everything that he has equipped me to have... For this miracle, he has given me everything I need for this miracle to happen. My flesh and the works of the enemy are gone. I'm totally and completely reliant on the supernatural. That's where this community will come to. Where they realize there's nothing in the flesh that you're going to be able to do to transform the city. It is truly the supernatural work of God. And the flesh has to go by the wayside. The enemy can't have a voice in your ear. He'll talk because that's his job he'll lie because that's his job but you gotta shut that door and keep him out of your head you got to keep him out of your churches you got to keep him out of your home you got to keep him out of the plans and purposes that God has for this community you got to keep the enemy out and that's what she did when she shut that door no plan b and she shut the enemy out so we know that as long as she was pouring the oil as long as there were vessels, the oil continued to pour, didn't it? So real quickly, we're going to wrap up with my favorite part of this story. I have lots of favorite parts of this story, but this is my favorite, favorite part of the story. In verse seven, <clears throat> Elisha gives her a plan. She comes back to Elisha. Let me, let me just hit that for a second. Remember I said absolute obedience. Okay. She has, her floor is littered with all these containers with oil. And she doesn't go in her own flesh and decide what to do with this what does it say in verse 7 she came then she came and told the man of God she goes back to the source for what the next step is don't ever get ahead of yourself don't ever allow yourself to start to think you know what the next step is you've got to stay humble and broken before the Lord listening and leaning in for the next thing that he tells you to do because the enemy is gonna want you to start to step out on what seems to be reasonable and you can't do that you've got to stay in that place of humbleness and brokenness before him. She came back to the man of God and asked him what was next. You've got to live minute by minute, step by step under the inspiration and the voice of the Holy Spirit as you take this city for God. He tells her to do four things. Go, sell the oil, pay the debt, and you and your sons can live on the rest. This word, pardon me, this word go means to depart. Elisha's activating this woman to leave her old mindset. Remember, she sold her past, her present, and her future, didn't she? So there's a, there's a past, there's a history that she has got to walk away from. Listen, whenever we've gone through a hard time, whenever we've gone through a painful, painful experience, there is emotions, there are feelings, there are memories that like to hang on to us like barnacles, don't they? like on a ship. You have to go in and scrape those things off. He is telling this woman, go. Leave that old mindset. Leave that old wineskin. Leave that old life alone. And now become transformed and walk away from that. You are now a new person. You're not the person that you were. You're not the widow whose two sons are about to be taken from you. Who has no hope. You're about to think yourself going to die. That's not who you are. You are a woman now who has been given a bounty, a blessing before her. Walk that Way. Don't walk the old way. Don't go back to the old life. It's a line of separation, a line of demarcation. So he tells her to go. Second thing he tells her to do is sell the oil. And that means basically to surrender. Listen, she has demonstrated surrender through this whole process, giving it to Elijah, coming back, submitting herself to his, his teaching. And she has done that. Everything, when we are willing to be submitted and surrender to God and give it all to him, he brings transformation into every area of our life that we give to him. The moment we let it go... He has the authority, he had the authority before, he has our permission to do whatever and he will transform everything in our lives. He'll transform this city. That concept of that reversal, listen, the enemy absolutely fears the transfer of of our spiritual slavery into spiritual authority. Remember, her sons were going to be taken as slaves. This oil is about to be sold. These kids are moving from a place of slavery into being sellers. They're, they're no longer in need. Now they're going to have what they need to, to operate the rest of it, Did you see that there's a transfer. See, there's slavery. The enemy wants to keep us bound, mind, body, and spirit. But when we break free of that, we the enemy is so fearful of all that can happen in and through every single one of you. They were talking to us about individually, you had to become a house of prayer. Corporately, you had to become a house of prayer. Church-wise, denominate I'm not denomination. Citywide, you had to become a church of prayer. It has to be systemic, but it has to start with you. And you can no longer live in that place of bondage. You have to walk in that authority and that's what an army a spiritual army being raised up looks like there is power and authority in individually in each and every one of you and the enemy is shaking in his shoes with the potential of every believer that is in this city and when you begin to realize that power and that potential to break the back of the enemy, to crush his head through your power, through your prayers, and through your intercession and through your crying out, you have authority that the enemy fears. He wants to keep you in bondage. You've got to throw it away and not walk in that anymore. So he tells her, "Go, sell," And he tells her to pay. The word "pay" comes from the root word shalom," if we know what shalom means, it means completeness, welfare, peace. Nothing broken, nothing missing. Total and complete. I love that. This means that the debt is gone. The moment she sells this oil and pays that debt... The debt is gone. It's a beautiful picture of what Christ has done in every one of our lives and what we begin to tell other people that Christ wants to do in their lives. Isn't it? Isn't that what this whole, this whole movement is over? It's a transformation of people's lives from sin and despair and, and the effects of that life into a, a life of hope in Jesus. That is a picture. Sell it. Pay your debt. You are a new, complete, nothing broken, nothing in need, whole, in covenant person with God when He comes into your heart. That's the picture of this word pay your debt. Gone, sealed, done. Then He tells her to live on the rest. I'm going to combine these two words. This live means to be restored from sickness, discouragement faintness and death and to live means to live in a place of abundance that you know you have it we know that the enemy comes to kill still and destroy but jesus gives us life and life more abundantly life more abundantly it's a picture of living a restored life from the kingdom so i didn't like math but sometimes i have to do it so let's talk about math for a minute change gears how many remember what a line segment was Line segment. Okay. Tell me what a line segment is. A line with beginning and end. That's it. A line with a beginning and an end. How many remember what a ray is? She did well in math. <laughs> Excellent. So a line segment has a beginning point and an end point, and there's action that happens between. A ray has a beginning point, and it goes on forever and ever and ever and ever. Listen, when we pray, when we intercede, when we cry out, I believe there's two types of miracles that God can impart to us. There are miracles that we saw in this story. There was the miracle of the oil. It had a beginning process where they lined up the pots, She poured, 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 poured. poured. At the end of the line, the last vessel was filled. The oil stopped. There are things that God, miraculous things that God wants to put into people in that instant. It has a beginning point and an end point. It's for a specific time and a specific need. Don't be afraid to cry out for something that has a beginning and an end because it it has a purpose in that place. But then there's miracles that God wants to move into you personally and into this prayer movement for this city that has a beginning point that will never end. It will go on for eternity. Our brother yesterday was talking about 2030. Listen, if Jesus tarries, what is beginning here in this time right now isn't going to end in 2030. It's going to be generations and generations and generations where souls are going to be redeemed from this body of believers that calls itself the Church of Jesus Christ, the Ecclesia, the Bride of Christ, the Army of Righteousness that will take Evansville, Indiana by hostage from the enemy and bring transformation. Press in. Pray for both kind of miracles. There's a place for both of them. And that's why I love this part of this, story, this account so much. It's a start to a finish. It's the beginning. It's to the end. But it's eternity and beyond because we are tapped in to the source and we have given him our all our all. Now, friends, this sounds great, but I know that there are people who have been interceding for years for things. And this morning, what I'm going to ask you to do is if there's that point where you're dangerously becoming close to that line of despair and not desperation, I want to pray over you this morning. I'm going to ask you to stand, just boldly stand. I'm going to pray and ask God to put well, I don't need to tell you what I'm going to pray. I'm just going to pray it. <laughs> Lord, this is, this is, this is, um, <laughs> these are the widows. These are the people who have tarried. These are the people who have carried the burden. These are the people that, like this woman, have given everything to the kingdom. There's not one thing that you ask of them that they didn't give. They've handed it open-handed to you. They've been persevering. They've been praying. They've been pressing in. They have been crying out. But they have yet to see the miracle personally in their church and in their city. So God, God, Your word is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And if you did a miracle that had a start point and an end point and met a need, I'm asking today, God, that you would pour that out into each one of these people today God God. that you would meet the need that they've been crying out for Father that there would be a phone call that their child has come home that somehow that there has been a transformation in their bank statement I don't understand how that happens but we've had it happen I thank you Jesus for that answer to prayer Uh, they've been praying out praying and asking for their body to be healed so they can do the work of the kingdom God we bind right now a spirit of infirmity that comes to steal our mortal bodies from being able to do what God has called us to do, we bind that spirit over this body of believers today. We cast it to the dry places and we say, no more, shut that door through the power of Of Jesus name and blood God we ask for instant healing being manifested in these bodies today give life to their limbs sight to their eyes hearing to their ears clarity to their mind joints that move strengthen their muscles hearts that are restored so that they can do the work that you've called them to do we need a strong army a strong army so minister to bodies today Jesus there's many short needed things that we have in our life but God there's the big picture of the eternity that ray that we're pressing in for for this body of believers for the city of Evansville so God today I believe is the start point it's that end point at the beginning of that ray it's where a shift happens see the ray the ray just doesn't appear there has to be a start point there has to be a moment where we commit the pen to the paper and we make that dot. That's right. That's right. That's right. It's September 11th, people. Come on. We know what that means to our country and the devastation that happened. So today, I pray God, today will be a divine retribution to the enemy. Through the city of Evansville, that this city today is putting a line in the sand, they're dropping that pen into the dirt, and they're saying, from this day forward, the ray of the miraculous is going to happen in this city, that there is going to be transformation that has no end because we're being sourced from the King of kings and the Lord of lords. God, I pray, I pray that the hope and expectation of every one of these intercessors becomes limitless like this woman's was. Give them limitless faith in Jesus' name. Father, we thank you for your presence. We thank you that just like Elisha, when we begin to cry out, you come. You come. You don't expect us to just grovel. All we have to do is open our mouths. It's just like our kids. We would hear them begin to say, Mom, and we were out of bed even if we were sound asleep. Boom, we were on our feet at their sides. It's a picture of our Heavenly Father's love. Hear the cries of desperation of this group. Hear the groanings of the people that don't even know who they're crying out to in this city, but they're crying out. May they have those encounters with you, God, that make no sense, those holy visitations, God, those dreams, those chance encounters with someone that speaks life into them. We call those into existence on that ray of eternity. Cause us to be mighty, mighty warriors for you. I pray protection over this city. I pray unity over this city. I pray truth and hope over this city. I pray I pray the, the picture of the upper room, singleness of focus, hearts that are bent towards prayer and an and, and army that's being raised up for the kingdom. Unity, God, unity, singleness of calling and devoted to prayer. It's the three pillars. May that be emblazoned on this, the hearts of this, this body. We thank you, Jesus, for every soul that will be the result. You know, a line is nothing more than a bunch of dots connected. <laughs> the pixels, if you think about it, each one of those little dots connect that ray into eternity. So, Father, we thank you for every one of those dots that comprise that ray that we will meet in eternity <laughs> because of the prayers, because of the transformation, because of the decisions that were made in this room today. We thank you, Father. We worship you with hearts full of gratefulness. We give you our all. In Jesus' name, amen.